So when I'm at a career fair and I see 40 tables and I see 30 people just walking around, nobody talking to each other. I'm like, but what's going on here? Listen, are you the person with the internships? <laughs> you know, like I, I got, I, I got, I put laundry in, and I don't want nobody to steal my clothes. Who's the person <laughs> with the internships? Right, like that's how I'm moving. Like, <laughs> like lost. You know, <laughs> like, brother, you would have been crying, laughing. Like that's how I was moving because I didn't know any better. No but, social awareness at all. Self-aware is all of that. Yeah, and like you could take you could take it like you could take it further, right? Like Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo, what's good? Welcome to another episode of Begin Duetas Podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel bringing another special episode with another very special guest. Speaking of guests, the clip that you heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Joshua Encarnacion. And like every week, Joshua joined us for a very candid conversation around his experience between professionalism and authenticity. We touch on various things from him growing up in the project to feeling like he's not belonging in school and then getting some interesting feedback when he starts working that I think we can probably all relate to. That said, before getting into the full conversation, let me give you a quick bio so that you have more context going into it. Joshua is a 1.5 generation Dominican American, a proud Afro Latino, and he has his heart set on growing and helping people to grow into their full potential. He's helped build not one, not two, but three tech industry startups. And he's worked in training and recruiting roles for some of the biggest tech companies out there, including Uber and Google. Born in Manhattan and raised in Lawrence and Springfield, Massachusetts, Joshua has nothing but love for his folks and the people that he's met along his journey. He considers himself a lifelong learner in specific areas of sports, math, reading, perreo, bachata, y café bustelo. Ya tu sabes. To get Joshua's full bio, please be sure to check out the show notes. For now, we got to get into this dope conversation. Authenticity is such a buzzword, right? But it means something different for everybody, apparently. What, what do you think about when you hear the word? What does it mean to you? I think the reason why I have resentment towards the word authenticity is because it feels in some ways like it's being used to control the way a person shows up. Because to me, authenticity just means like showing up as you are in that moment. And it changes consistently. Like, like I really like how you came up with the name plural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, right. like I'm loud and <laughs> I'm really reflective and I'm like chitoso and I'm too serious. <laughs> You know, like it just can, like there's so many commas to how I can be. And so when I first started coming up against these conversations around authenticity, I was just like, so which version of me do you think is the most authentic? But you said a word earlier and like you said control. Like when I think of authenticity, I think of freedom. Like, why do you think control? Because like when it's using the context of a workplace, which is where that word is starting to like get or has picked up like traction over the years so as soon as i said authenticity you didn't even think personal you automatically thought work because my friends and family aren't like be your authentic self right they don't tell you that you just you right. just are it's just like the word diversity like i don't go home and have dinner with my diverse family <laughs> like i'm not that, that's not happening in my life like in my day-to-day -day, people aren't like oh my gosh you're so diverse no 
And then like when folks hit me with like, you're such an authentic person. I'm like, I know, I know where you're getting that from. Now I know how I have to behave. <laughs> like, because when I go home, folks are like, Josh always keep it real. They don't mm. say Josh is authentic. I don't know. That's my experience. But nah, I that, that's everyone. That's really interesting. Speaking of going home, like, let's go back to that. I think like that idea of control, it doesn't even start when we enter the workplace. Like I often think we're taught from our families on how we should present to the world. Like talk to me about growing up. What sort of guidance were you given on how you should be showing up to the world? I hear you because immediately like in my mind, in my mind, I just heard my mom going like, I don't know what that's actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's <laughs> like, she's like, you don't express yourself that way or don't be like, I think. Bro, I, re I remember even something as simple as like going to the airport. Like I had to wear like a fucking suit pretty much. Yeah. Like Thanksgiving in your living room. And you're like. <laughs> La sala fit. <laughs> no. And, <laughs> I have this photo of me. I'm three years old. I got like, so my favorite sports teams are the Raiders, the Lakers and the Yankees. I'll explain that. But like I got a yellow shirt on and purple pants, like cadena, fresh fade. I'm three. Zapatos like like crocodile skin. <laughs> oh shit. You got the gators on. <laughs> you got the gators on. And I'm like, yo, who dressed a three-year-old like this? <laughs> but it's like my, my my father liked the Lakers colors. So they had dressed me up in those colors. But I'm like dripped out. Like bailando el perrito. <laughs> oh my you know, god. I really like that that level of Dominican. <laughs> like but yeah, I remember like later like teenage years being like mom I'm wearing pajamas. Like you ain't no way you're going to get me to wear a suit to Thanksgiving. I'm coming from upstairs to downstairs for Thanksgiving. I'm not putting these pants on. <laughs> like I'm wearing I'm wearing sweats. And so what is what does she say though? No se mal criado. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I hear you, like, malcriado. I'm like, how did I get raised bad? You raised me. <laughs> you don't make no sense. <laughs> but, like, no, I, I hear you. I mean, I, I feel like we could resent that, but, like, is that not the job of people guiding us is to socialize us? Like, you're born a blank slate, and honestly, people are just trying to protect us. So in this room, we move like that. In this room, we move like that. And depending on what guidance is available is going to influence you. I had a really interesting story from the paternal side because my father wasn't necessarily the best guidance available to me but at the same time was the best guidance available to me like <laughs> like it really just depends on how you look at it he got deported when i was nine years old you know he mm -hmm. he uh immigrated over from dr got to miami just like scarface and was like i'm fuck that i'm not doing dishes i'm selling coke <laughs> like and moved to new york in the 80s <laughs> like that th that history i don't even have to explain it like yeah the 80s yeah. was like prime time right and he wanted a better life for him and his family he didn't want to wash dishes for four dollars an hour in calle ocho like <laughs> so he got on a truck came up to new york you know that it's a common story for people that understand but he, he did the thing and then he wasn't available to take care of my family the way i would expect them to but those are my expectations and i didn't i wasn't raised in new york in the 80s like I don't know what I would have done. Would I have done anything differently? I, I don't know. Imagine Joshua Pavel running around New York in the eighties. Like, I don't know. But I do know that I had to unlearn a lot of behaviors that didn't serve me in today, and like over the years. So, for me, it was like I didn't want to be 
from the from the stance of like control. I didn't want to be locked in to behaviors of the past. So when someone presents me with this idea around authentic, I'm like, am I my am I my most authentic self when I'm loud or when I'm reserved? Because I'm both. <laughs> like, you could catch me in a room reading for six hours quietly. You could catch me in a room screaming with my uncles for six hours, and I'm not at any loss of energy in either situation. So what is it? That's why when people present that like label, I'm like, how do you fit into that? How do you how do you put all of this experience into that? I notice when I'm not being quote unquote authentic is when I have that urge to be something different. And it I can't even describe it. It's like I, I it's like my brain is telling me I should say something or I should do something, but I'm altering who I am and how I present just to make others feel comfortable. That's what it is. What do I want to do in this moment to make myself feel comfortable versus how do I what do I do in this moment to make others feel comfortable? And it's interesting, even that moment of I could imagine you coming down the stairs at home in your pajamas and your mom is like, muchacho del diablo, que tu estás haciendo? Like, why are you dressed like that? In that moment, though, like you felt really comfortable in pajamas, but. Maybe your mom isn't even thinking about your comfort. She's thinking about the comfort of everyone around. Or even like, what's the perception that people are going to think of me if my son is like dressed in pajamas kind of thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's really interesting. And and I think too, like what you said around the guidance that we're given, it's to protect us. And it's so true. Like my grandfather growing up, I always tell the story. Like he was like, do you see presidents with beards and tattoos and do-rags and earrings i so don't do it to this day i don't have my ears pierced but i'm finally gonna get it this year but it took me 32 years to want to get my ears pierced because thanks thanks of just like what i've been taught to believe i I should be like though but it's i don't blame him he was just trying to protect me from people's perceptions but i think what i'm trying to do these days is instead of like me having to change like i want to influence the person that is perceiving us yeah instead of the person being perceived. You know what I mean? Totally. Like we become the subject and they're the objects that have to move around us. I ascribe to that fully. I guess where my point of view is born out of is so similarly like with the sweatpants and like, right? That's one example. I get to college and I remember wanting to switch from engineering to human resources. That was prompted by a relationship with a mentor. But the dean of the college of engineering was like, what are you doing? You're like throwing away your future type conversation. I had like a 3.7 two years after two years of engineering, right? And that was with support from like a preparatory program, right? It don't even matter, bro. Right? And, you know, that mentor is like, you know, what do you want to do? And it was the first time I really heard that question that way, which like ties into this conversation. Like it was it was the moment choice was available to me. And I was like, in the, I met my mentor through my minor, which was leadership and civic engagement. And I'm like, yo, I wanna work with people. Now, mind you, I had already had this feeling because in my engineering program, I was catching like $5 bills to present. People was doing the homework. They were like, if he, if he's, if he's the one who's gonna show this work, we're catching an A. So <laughs> five bucks. <laughs> and so I get into HR school, back to the sweatpants like business school, I'm wearing sweats because in, in the engineering building, no one cares what you're wearing. Right. Go to the what was called the Charlton College of Business. My first professor, organizational development, was like, you're never going to get a job dressed like that. I'm like, 
hold on. I just came out of calculus four. We're here in a class with a book that has 60 pages. I read it already. You're reading from the book. I'm watching the words you're saying on this piece of paper. I'm sitting in front row. I'm engaged. Like I actually chose this class. Don't tell me you're going to have me sit here for 12 weeks to listen to you regurgitate what's in this book and then tell me I'm not going to get a job. How did it feel getting that feedback at that moment, though? Like, what were some of the emotions that came up? Immediately was like, well, you're on the list of people that are going to be pooping out. And he was like, look, I can tell that, you know, you're interested in this class. Like, we had a follow-up conversation. He's like, if you go to this career fair and get an internship this weekend, you don't have to take the class. Monday, I showed him confirmation. I was like, this is the last time I'm in this class. Thanks. <laughs> like, when I got the internship and I was out. Wait, so what was that career fair experience like? Wait, did you show up in sweatpants? <laughs> I, I did. And there was like 30 people there for like 40 tables. And I walked right up to everybody in the whole, like 40 tables and said, hey, I'm looking for an internship. They were like, why? I was like, my professor said, if I get an internship, I don't have to take the class. <laughs> but like the thing is, it's like, like part of that comes from like, I'm in engineering school where everything is super literal and direct. Right, like my calculus four teacher, calculus three teacher, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't know how to pronounce my last name. So he would call me Inca. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm dead ass. Inca, 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 go to the board. I'm like. That's not even close, bro. I'm like, there's no I in my lap. Well, there is an I, but not at the beginning. <laughs> Yo, but I had to sit through that, right? So like. How do I explain that? That happened, right? And like, but I, you know, it was like, it was cool in one light because it was like, he didn't care. So it gave me permission to not care. But then I get into the Charlton College of Business and it's like, you say a person's name wrong, there's like immediate consequences, right? Like you might not get an interview. You might not be invited to a dinner where you can network because it becomes a more like social reality versus on the, mm. in the engineering department, it was like, either you know the answer or you don't, <laughs> right? Yeah. So like, I'm bringing that in transitioning over to understanding like the importance of emotional intelligence. Like I, I had the, I had the feeling, lo sentimiento, porque yo soy dominicano. Like what? We're born in that. Like I'm looking at my mother. I'm like, how she feels right now? Cause I'm not trying to get my ass broke. <laughs> facts, facts. <laughs> right? So like facts. I actually had that, but I didn't have the language. I get to the Charlton College of Business, I'm like, oh, okay. This matters in these worlds too. So I get this internship because I didn't want to take that class. I had already read the book. All the quizzes were online. Like, bro, Chag was going crazy those years. <laughs> so like, I'm not sitting in this hour and a half lecture twice a week for you to tell me something I already read. I want to know the real, like put me out there in the field. And so I get the internship with State Street Corporation in Boston, summer 2013. And that's when I started um, experiencing Boston races. Before we get into the actual internship experience, I think it's important to like go into that career fair. One, I mean, talk about instantly standing out. I'm thinking back to college in that moment. I would have not had the confidence to do that. In fact, it goes against everything that they taught me in like internship prep classes in college. In college, they literally put up a slide of like, if you go on an interview, they have an image of someone dressed up a certain way and they have an X over it. And then they got an image of someone 
dressed another way with a check mark over it, telling you what to do and not to do. And you're breaking all those rules. Like, we'll give you the confidence in that moment to just be like, I don't care. I've spoken on this before. I wish it was confidence. It was just lack of social awareness. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it a thousand. Like, I had no, I had no clue. Like, like growing up in project housing, like I grew up between Lawrence, the projects in Lawrence, Massachusetts, the Hancock projects, and in Brooklyn, the Stuyvesant projects, right? Like I would go hang out with my uncles over the summer and then I'd, cause my mom was 15 years older than me. She was going through school and work and like, like she was trying to get her, her GED and working at Payless Shoes, right? So like I'm watching her hustle and I'm playing kickball at three in the morning outside, you know, with all the kids that are up, right? In the summers, she would drop me off cause she, she didn't have, she couldn't afford, you know, me getting taken care of. Go with your uncles. My uncles are like those uncles. In, like one of my uncles is named Brooklyn. <laughs> right? Okay. So, so I, that's enough, how, enough said. That's how I'm moving, right? Like as a child. And I kind of opened up a little bit about my father, right? Like those are images in my mind as a child. Drug, sex, rock and roll for real. Like listen to Future and I'm like, did my dad know him? <laughs> like, like. <laughs> Okay, that stuff is there, lodged in my head as reality. So when I'm at a career fair and I see 40 tables and I see 30 people just walking around, nobody talking to each other. I'm like, but what's going on here? Listen, are you the person with the internships? <laughs> you know, like I, I, got, I, I got, I put laundry in and I don't want nobody to steal my clothes. Who's the person with the internships? Right, like that's how I'm moving. Like, <laughs> like lost. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like brother, you would have been crying, laughing. Like that's how I was moving because I didn't know any better. No but, social awareness at all. Self awareness, all of that. Yeah, and like you could take, you could take it, like you could take it further, right? Like this episode of the Quintuetas podcast is sponsored by McDonald's. Since 1985, McDonald's has given over $33 million in scholarships. You can win one of 30 scholarships available and win a scholarship of up to $100,000. This year, McDonald's is giving away $500,000 in scholarships. Since 1985, Hased has helped aspiring Latino students achieve their dreams of going to college. But despite students' unwavering desire for progress, they still feel lost and powerless, making the need for support greater than ever. And that means it's time to hacer more. Students can apply to McDonald's Hacer National Scholarship and go further like Katia in Chazareta. To apply to the McDonald's Hacer National Scholarship, visit mcdonalds.com slash hacer. That is H-A-C-E-R. I'm going to a school where for the first time in my experience of life, I'm in the minority minority now. Like mm -hmm. it was a PWI that was 22% black and brown students, right? I can't even relate to that yet. You have a mix of like Cape Cod, like <laughs> Cape Cod. Yeah, like you have like Cape Cod youth and like it's a public serving institution. So like a lot of folks that like either didn't make it private or didn't want to go private because of them. But for me, I was like, this place is like an Ivy League school. <laughs> like, cause right, like in my mind, I'm like, and I'm the first one in my family to have the college ex like dorm experience. So they were like, yo, you could go to this cafeteria three times a day, eat everything. I said, everything? 
I eat everything. I eat anything I want. Wilding <laughs> in the cafeteria. Facts, like, facts. Like a triple cheeseburgers. Yeah, I was in there. My roommates freshman year were two two uh, cats I graduated high school with. So we're at the we're at the t- <laughs> like you know what I mean. We're wilding. Like our table has like forty people at it because we're screaming because we have no right. Like we don't know coming from Springfield Central High School. So in my mind at that time, none of it was all that serious. So I couldn't really place a weight on like the impact of showing up the wrong way. So I just kept showing up. That's why like to to the beginning of this conversation, like when I started hearing like, oh, you gotta be your authentic self. I'm like, what am I being? That's not that then. (laughs) So I started feeling controlled like, be like this, be like that, be like this, be like that. And I'm like, uh. Did that change in some of your early internship experiences? Where you actually start working like quote unquote corporate? Second day I got written up because I had green socks under my suit. Walmart suit. My mom gave me some green socks as a congratulations for this internship. Second day. I don't have no meetings with nobody. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh. And then like later after that, I remember I was coming in too early. So I was just really excited. I was then, I was then living in my at the time girlfriend's sister's room on the JFK mass line like it was like a closet room and so I'd get up at the first train because it was right on the highway you know if you know if you know that area there's these how there's these apartments where the the house shakes when the train comes in so my room was on that window like I'm watching folks backed up on the highway so the first train comes in it's like I'm like all right like it is 5 15 a.m. Like, so I'd get up, I'd catch the train to the orange line. There was a YMCA there. I'd work out. I get in the office at like 6 45 a.m. I was just excited. And I had nothing else to do. I don't know Boston. So I'm like, let me just get in. Internship manager goes, why can't you just like show up the time the other interns show up, like nine o'clock and like leave at like four? And I was like, oh, I thought I was doing a good thing by showing up early and like knocking out all my projects before you get here. Because I'd be so excited to show her. Like, I did the coordination piece. I did the resume piece. I did all the calls. And I also found these people. I think they'd be great for this job. And I met with that energy. And so I would come in, sit, be quiet. There was no internet access. No internet access. It was 2013, brother. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Trapping off my phone. I had 4G on my phone. I'm like, y'all wild. You think I'm going to sit here and stare at a gray screen? So for me, it was like, no, I'm not submitting to this. I'm all set. At that point, I already had learned that on the West Coast, it's a completely different world. Mind you, I've been socialized like an engineer. So I'm thinking like, why are we wearing these suits? Y'all don't even have the answers. <laughs> like, I'd much rather be sitting in a class called being called Inca because we're doing something. Versus sitting here pretending like we like each other. Y'all don't like me. Like, I just got written up twice for nothing. And so, like, they gave me a project to, like, satisfy my urge to do stuff. And it was, how do you make the internship experience better? Nah, that's a that's an alley-oop. I said, great. I'm about to go crazy. So I, I tweeted at 100 recruiters, like, in that week. And, like, 17 of them responded. And that's actually how I got a job at Google. What, like, what was the intention with reaching out to, because you had a project that they gave you on how to make the internship better, but then you started tweeting. Like, what was the intention with the tweets? 
like in my mind, it was just as simple as learning what's going well and what's not. So I reached out to like 25 companies that were close by. I reached out to like 25 companies that were like on Glassdoor as the best internship experiences. And then I reached out to Google, Facebook, Twitter. Like at the time they were starting to blow up. I had just watched that Vince Vaughn movie, like yeah, yeah, yeah. internship, right? So <clears throat> I'm reaching out to everyone. I'm just getting insight. Like, oh, okay. So this is how y'all are doing this. This is how y'all are doing that. These are the capstones. These are the like things you're exposing the intern. Oh, okay, cool. I put all that in some slides and I worked on it like diligently for like a month. And I remember showing it to my manager and my manager kind of had this look on her face. Like, Where'd you, how'd you get all this information? I was like, the internet and it, the internet's blocked. And I'm like, my phone, <laughs> Brad, what? Like <laughs> we have access to the internet all the time. I don't know how you think you can block the internet. <laughs> Like, like it was so non, it was non-trivial to me. Like at the time, maybe it's the lack of social awareness, but again, I wasn't trying to be chauvinistic or arrogant or any of that. It was just like one plus one is two. <laughs> like, like math, you know? It must also be confusing. Like you did so much work and like you're questioning me about how I got it. Shouldn't you be asking me like, how can we implement this? And that was my first real like cementing of what a company culture can do to people like mm. i'm i'm 20 years old and i'm bumping up against this fresh out the projects <laughs> like and i'm so then i go to read the book right that is in the next class which is like od 400 and they're like some company cultures are really controlling some company cultures are really i'm like oh yeah Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I get this. It hits different reading it in the textbook, but also having the experience to validate that. Yep. And so I was just bumping into different situations and then finding it in the textbook. Oh, okay. I can relate to this. So after. But I, I'm. Wait, hold on. I'm curious. Like, why was the internet banned? They just didn't trust employees to, like, do their work and go on the internet? Big capital C control. <laughs> like, it was at, at that time, it wasn't. It was like intranet access only. And I'm That's like fascinating yeah, i've I'm, never heard that before like i don't know if that's gonna work <laughs> but i'm i'm curious too like because you know in that experience you know lack of awareness whatever you want to call it you showing up in a certain way and you're starting to get criticized at like 20 years old like these are like such foundational years on how you're going to show up to your next internship experience all these other things like what do you start doing about yourself do you start changing yourself you're like all right mom don't be sending me no green socks. I'm only wearing black socks. I'm going to definitely going to shave. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like, how did you start changing yourself? Yeah, I went through a series of changes. I mean, I think I'm still going through them now, but like there are so many things because what I was really bumping up against when I look at it in hindsight is like ascending classes. Mm. So it was like an element of class. It was an element of race. It was an element like the Kimberly Crenshaw's work on intersectionality was becoming real to in those years. So I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not even recognizing that there's these different lenses on how I'm being perceived and how I have to influence them before they influence me. But what I was experiencing like internally was like not fitting in anywhere. Mm -hmm. like, I was really mm -hmm. going through some identity stuff those years because like you, you want to go back to, you want to get to the, to the root of it, right? Like I said, little Dominicano, like tell me, where do you fit in? Where do you not fit in? Right. And so like there's rooms where they're like, Oh, Moranito. And then other room's like, mm. you ain't black. Yeah. Oh, like, you black as hell. I'm like, can y'all pay? <laughs> can y'all pay? Can y'all pay? I did it 23 of me. It just says Africa, Europe, 
indigenous. It says all sorts, like the blood is everywhere, right? Then I'm reading about Christopher Columbus. I said, it's your fault, fam. Like, the fam. You got all these, you mixed all these people up. But here I am, Habao is all hell. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yo, like, people, people were so confused. And I, so was I. But so, we want to fit in, though. And that's why we make all these changes, typically. Yeah, the changes I was making was, they were like, I had to learn to experience it as growth to finally, like, settle with it. But the changes I was making was like, you know, word choice, being able to recognize like, okay, so there is an attire for this situation. What do you mean word choice? Dialect, slang, like what we talk about when we say code switching. And it's funny because I've always like just put it in this, this bucket of like empathic. I'll give you I'll give you a real concrete example of how that works in the reverse. Right. So when I'm coaching someone today or a couple of years back, I was coaching someone. We have a close relationship, so I'm sure they'll feel comfortable with me sharing this, but I won't name names. But they, they were like, you know, I just feel like I have to use a certain tone, certain voice. But I'm like, yo, how do you how do you talk to your best friends? And I knew this person, and I was, and I was like, when you pick up the phone, like, are you like, oh my god, how you doing? They were like, that's exactly how I sound. I'm like, why don't you sound like that at work? Because it's not appropriate. I said, well, same. So when I pick up the phone with my friends, I'm like, what's good? Not happening when I pick up the phone at work. It's not like code switching is, there's there's intent behind the tool and it's born out of survival. And so for that, we can't take that away from us and ours. But the act of it at its core is empathizing with who's in front of you and how they're gonna receive your message. Cause if, if I can't cut through, then I have to use a different modality. And everyone knows that. You don't talk to your parents the way you talk to your siblings. You don't talk to your siblings the way you talk to your friends you know what somebody said this and, and this is your boy that you worked with before ruben he was on the podcast harris and he said i'm anti-code switching but i'm pro efficient communication something like that matter of fact it's like i don't know if you saw the exchange with kevin durant and stan van gundy stan van gundy was like tweeting something and kevin durant was like yo stan spitting and stan van gundy was like oh no 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 like I'm on your side, blah, blah, blah. And Kevin Durant, he was like, you don't know what spitting means, do you? Like, I'm on your side, Stan. Like, we, like I don't want this back and forth. And Stan was like, oh, shit, my bad. I didn't know what spitting meant. Thank you for being on my side. But it's that simple layer of, like, maybe not everyone is going to understand spitting. So you may want to translate it in a way that it's going to get the message across. But it's, it, it's this interesting dynamic of, like, is that faking it? I don't see it that way at all. Cats that grew up in London, the accent that they have, is that fake? The accent that they have, no. So we're fake. We're fake when? When we use the accent we grew up with. Oh no, no. I think I think it's fake when we don't use the accent that we grew up in. But it doesn't fit the situation. What do you mean? Like it's going to be misunderstood. That's like Idris Elba. So if we're using the London example, that's like Idris Elba. He has his accent, but he comes to the states and takes it away just to be more understood. Is that what you're kind of saying? I'm pretty sure he does that in some rooms, especially when he's trying to cut across. I would argue he shouldn't though. I would argue he doesn't have to. I think both can coexist. But is it? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like. It's just. I'm just trying to have the conversation. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's in Spanish. Like, I'm not gonna speak Spanish in a room with people that speak English. Like, that's fair. the that's the square far away for me to be misunderstood. Fair, fair. Like, I think I think it's the most like compassionate act possible to be able to understand how somebody receives information and to be able to like support that. Like, I think that mm. comes purely out of like care because like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People I, people I work with individually, like one-on-one, -on -one, I'm like, 
you're not going to understand me unless I speak in a certain tone. Yes. Like, I, I agree with that. Right. And then that influences word choice. And like, unless you can open your mind enough to know that people receive information differently, learn differently, then it's just going to be a constant power struggle. But what I, what I do know to be true and born out of the statements you're making is I don't want to be erased. So like erase yourself. Like I'm not gonna let somebody take that away from me. But my family and I cultivate that. So in yes. those rooms, if you're privileged enough to be in those rooms, you'll hear it. But like for everyone else, it's like it's not really any of your business. One of the early things you mentioned was you had an early insight into like organizational culture and maybe even organizational organizational culture that you didn't feel like you fit in right but since then you've had various experiences did you notice any differences in the organizational culture when you moved over to tech big time so when i wear sweatpants in tech no one gives a fuck <laughs> like back to what i learned from engineering to the school of business i moved to the west coast and my first meeting i had flip-flops on cargo shorts and a white tee nah <laughs> promise you and my buddy brought me to a bar at three o'clock on a monday like my buddy was the person assigned to me for like orientation I was, I thought I was going to get fired. I was like, oh, this is a trap. Because I remember reading in books, like, don't take the free lunch and shit, right? So it's like, <laughs> it's like, Joshua, you want a beer? I'm like, beer? What's beer? <laughs> <laughs> and like, and they're like, yo, relax. And I'm just like, relax. Interesting. <laughs> yo, my mom told me not to go to happy hour with my coworkers. Because she was like, yo, it's a setup. And, and so, you know, after a while, you start to realize your own paranoia, also your, the influence from the cultures that you were growing out of. The West, West Coast business and East Coast business, two different worlds. Take it further. So I had, I had the privilege of building in London, man, Europe business, East Coast business and West Coast business, three different universes. Mm -hmm. Like from New England to, to the Bay Area, was a culture shock from New England to London. Like, I was like, what is going on? Like, mind you, still like ignorant as all hell. I'm waking up, I feel like in a Harry Potter movie every day. It's back to the language piece. I can't relate to the accents. Oh, I'll give you one. Every time you greet someone, you go, you all right? Like, you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. What do you keep asking me if I'm okay for? <laughs> I was in therapy last week. I don't need you. Know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, wait, am I okay? I'm not okay. I'm really aggressive. I apologize. I'm just going through stuff. And they're like, I, we're saying what up? Like, we're saying hi. And I'm like, oh, I don't know that. <laughs> like, I don't know that. <laughs> and it's just a greeting. And this is like, oh, okay. I get it now. <laughs> like, That's hilarious. Like, um, I learned about Chiqui Nando's. What's that sound like to you? Chiqui Nando? Chiqui Nando's. It sounds like, sound like a food spot. I'm glad you said that, because I was not where I went. <laughs> I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> what is that? It's like getting chicken. It's like getting, like, late night pizza, but, like, late night pizza. Oh, okay. Look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Like, ding, like you would have been fine. But, like, I was like, do I want Chiqui Nando's? I'm calling HR. <laughs> 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 um, I'm curious in those moments though, because it sounds like you started to feel a little bit more comfortable in certain environments. Like, did you start just like evaluating yourself and thinking like, 
well, maybe I could finally show this part of me that I wasn't allowed to show previously. I think it was just waves of consciousness, like social consciousness and like self-consciousness. Like it was waves. It was never like real direct stages, but like, yeah, yeah. Cause I, I, in college I was realizing like, oh, I'm in a predominantly white institution. Okay, so there's norms here that I'm not accustomed to. It took me years to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Then I get to the West Coast and I'm like, and, and there was this pyramid effect that was happening, like, right, growing up in project housing, all black and brown people. Go to high school, it's like 25% white people. Go to college, it's 25% black and brown people. Then I go to the West Coast and I'm in companies where we're less than 5%. So like literally a pyramid, right? And I get to those places and I'm like, okay, the norms here are totally different. So at the same time, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to unlearn, I'm trying to adapt, I'm trying to mold, I'm trying to, you know, not get caught by the matrix. Like all oh, this stuff is going on. Like, right. And for me, it was more so just like where, like everything became contextual. And that's how I was able to truly like learn what is it that I needed in those moments. Every situation called for a different version of it. not just professionally, because like in one role, I was a recruiter and another, I was a learning professional. Another, I was a manager and another, I was, I was a, a curriculum designer and another, I was a director and another, I was a CEO and another, I was like, those are all roles. And so you get really fluid at being able to pick up, okay, what's the goal here? How do you approach this? What's like, what's delivering here? And you focus in on that. But personally, I was, I was just madurando, like learning like what's most important to me. And this most recent season, I feel like I'm on the other side of, has just been truly reconnecting with my family in terms of being able to see them like for that. People talk about proverbially like taking the cape off of your parents' back and seeing the human being. Right. Like, yeah. I started that, doing that recently too. Yeah. That was why I moved from California to Massachusetts because I realized like, yeah, helping folks make all this money like means nothing. Yeah. Nothing. If I can't actually communicate with my family. Bro, I learned so much about myself the other day. Just asking my mom a simple question, like, Mom, how did you love me growing up? And in that question, I learned her love language. I learned why my love love language is the way it is, but I also learned this just like it in her answering the question i understood what she didn't get as a child you know what i mean like why she gave me the certain things she gave me as a child just like so many things but i, I even started taking my mom out to like just like lunches and like talking to her which it's a, it's something that you have to be like really intentional for so like I, I still live in new york my family lives in new york and i see them every weekend but it's not a one-on-one -on -one moment with my mom Right, it's like my mom, my grandma, my aunt. We're all like talking and talking about like current events or whatever was going on in life. But it, it's it's not like it's not that personal conversation. So yeah, I think that's deep. I'm assuming you had like a similar personal conversations as well. Yeah, plenty. There's accepting reality as is, and then there's surrendering expectations of what should be, could be, would be. So that way you could kind of be like you said, present enough for those conversations. Mm -hmm. and like <clears throat> I knew my mom's story. Like I grew up in it. You know, but then growing up out of my mom's story and seeing it for what it was, was what was the hard work, because the first journey was like getting over the pain inflicted by my father's story. So like, and then I get out of that and then I'm like, oh, it's only the beginning. Nah, <laughs> like, ain't no way. And so then I'm having to learn different perspectives of what happened. But that takes time. You don't you don't pry that out of somebody. Yeah, they have to unfold and be willing to share that. You got to be willing to even hear that shit. There's a lot of shit that I don't want to hear. Yeah. Like, it took me so long to even ask what happened between my mom and dad, like why they're not together. I never want to ask because I already don't have a close relationship with my father and I don't want to like 
hate them even more. And doing that work is probably the most impactful work we could do as men in our generation. Like, period. Because, I agree. Because if folks bump up against those parts of ourselves, they're, they're going to be just as hurt, if not more. So yeah. it's like, how do you heal so you can help others heal? Yeah. And so for me, I knew that that meant coming back and being present with my fam, doing the work I was doing with people all over the world, but with mm-hmm. them. And like, oh, what's the return on investment on that? That's the wrong fucking question. <laughs> Off rip. Because, yeah, it might not be no monetary gain, but it's like the sense of liberation, like knowing that you have the ability to sit in some of the most powerful conversations in your experience and not shake, right? Not resist like what a person's sharing, not cling on to an idea. Like being able to break those things down and say, okay, okay, reality is this. Yeah. My expectations are these. I can let both of them go so I can be present and have choices again. Because again, we keep going back to this first part of the conversation, right? Like people wanted to be wanted me to be all sorts of ways. All I've ever wanted was to just be myself. And the way I've learned to liberate myself is understanding why. Like, why you want me to move a certain way? Yeah. Ah, because you have needs that haven't been met. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. With my mother, I would understand, like, oh, okay. You know, in the most vulnerable vulnerable way possible, like I'd be like, all right, so yeah, he abandoned both of us. So mm. you're afraid of me doing the same. Mm. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to do that. Right. And then, you know, with my father, I'm like, yeah. oh, people were like trying to control you. Right. I'm not trying to do that either. In that recognition, you're like, oh, that's why I was, that's why I've been moving the way I've been moving. Right. But those aren't my stories. Right, right, right. That's That's fascinating. That's what I was trying to say too, is like by you getting to know, like the best way I often think, I'm literally getting goosebumps. The best way that you can even get to know yourself is to get to know your parents. There was this Mother Teresa quote that kind of hit. And I'm not like a live by quote type person, but like, (laughs) it was like, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And I was like, all right, pandemic done kicked my ass. This whole George Floyd situation, like the world is like at odds and ends with each other. And we're over here just trying to survive. I need to go home and take care of my family. I need to go show up. And in turn, let them take care of me and like work out those inner struggles so I could be liberated and who I am. Mihen, that that wraps up this week's episode of the Kintuitas podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please do us a favor, like, share, comment, leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening, because that is how we're going to redefine professionalism. Your engagement and feedback is going to help ensure that these stories and experiences get heard by more people. Thank you and see you next week.